0: Welcome in. This is religionless Christianity. I'm your host Spencer, and unfortunately, I'm rolling solo again. Uh, I will not be joined by my beautiful wife Nikki. She's doing all right; just has one of those nagging coughs. You know, those uh, tend to get those in the fall and the winter. So uh, she's all right; just won't be with us today. But I am still glad that you're here. Uh, If you're new, uh, don't let uh, this—the name of the podcast—fool you. Like to get this out up front and early. I am Christian. This show is very Christian, but it's more the world and specifically this country that we're in that is increasingly religionless, um, very much a secular place, so that at least in part is where the name comes from. But, you know, how can we live a life that's pleasing to God in a religionless world? Um, That is what we'll be trying to do today, as we try to do every Saturday, by looking at news from around the country, around the world and uh, specific Bible topics, um, Christian living-focused things and such, as we'll do today. Uh, but before we dive fully into the podcast, uh, I don't so much have a prayer request. Well, I do have a prayer request. Uh, please pray for Nikki. Pray that she would get better, that her cough would go away. Um, she'd be, you know, it stinks all the time to be sick. It, it stinks, or it stinks especially during the holidays. And you got family and friends around and stuff like that so just pray that she would get better. Um but for my praise report, uh, I just want to give a I guess a thank you and a praise to Brenna Scott. We talked about her the last two episodes in the book that she wrote. Well, she was kind enough to send us about six copies of her book free of charge, her hard copy book. The book is free to read on our website, which will be linked down in the show notes, but she was kind enough to send us six copies of this, and what a blessing that turned out to be. Um, so, as, you know, Providence would have it, just this week, Nikki is a member of a church group called the Protestant Women of the Chapel, and she went there. This week, they had a new guest speaker come and talk to them, and would you guess You know, at the end of this girl's talk, she told him, you know, just close your eyes and, um, you know, think on whatever and Jesus coming through the door and what's the one word that he would say to you and essentially everything (laughs) that Brenna Scott was warning us about. So Nikki, you know, astutely was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Um, But then was able to reach out to the girls in her uh, Protestant Women at the Chapel group and give a couple of these copies away and you know a few of the girls you know they said hey you know I read the book didn't really you know I read Jesus Calling wasn't into it but now that you know I can see Brenna Scott like the stuff that she pointed out I'm understanding why I was so creeped out by it um and it's just giving clarity and we have another friend that goes to church with us and she said she uh, we gave her a copy of the book as well and she said she's been devouring it she can't put it down uh it's an excellent read you know Even if you aren't a Jesus calling, you know, reader, but you know people that are, it's just a good tool. This book, uh, Christian Journaling or Psychic Channeling by Brenna Scott, it's just such a good tool to have in your arsenal to be able to, you know, help uh, correct errors that you see in friends and family. Or, you know, if you've got a, a church or a chapel somewhere, maybe just, you know, get a copy and leave it on the bookshelf there, right? Maybe find where they got Jesus calling and slide this in right next to it. And uh, maybe you spare somebody else the heartache later on. So thank you very much to Brenna Scott. You are a kind person to do that for us. And it's already making an impact just a few days in. So thank you very much. God bless you, ma'am. But all right. So as we mentioned last week, um, and I'm probably going to say we a whole lot because I'm just used to having Nikki here, so forgive me for that. But mentioned last week that we wanted to get back into our Bible topic. We've been gone from that for a few months, so we want to get back into it because it's such an important topic. And we've been going through um, Mark Jones's book, Knowing Sin. Wonderful, wonderful book. Uh, it looks at sin in sort of all of its various forms that it infects our lives in, and. Uh, If you want to get caught up to where we are, I have a playlist on YouTube, so you can go and find that playlist and hear all of the previous episodes, all the different um, discussions we've had on the topic of sin. I think it's really important, uh, so I would encourage you to do that. And, uh, you know, maybe while you're there, drop a like, subscribe, whatever happens to be. Um, But that's what we're going to discuss before we get to that Let's take a look at our news of the week. So the first story that we have here um, is a follow-up story to one that we discussed last week. Uh, If you guys were here last week, we talked about James Carville, uh, who's a Democrat strategist, saying that Christian nationalists were a worse threat to the U.S. than (laughs) Al-Qaeda. So... Um, yes, gotta love Democrat strategists, right? Well, here is a story, this next story. So that's what we talked about last week. Our story this week is one that you will never hear, never hear involving a Christian nationalist, which, by the way, it's worth mentioning. It's a made up term, uh, just made up to deride people who love God and love America. So made up term, but this is something you'll never hear from a Christian nationalist, Six teens involved in beheading a French teacher convicted and sentenced. And it says six middle school students tried for their involvement in the 2020 beheading of French teacher Samuel Patty were found guilty by a Paris juvenile court on Friday with most receiving suspended sentences. Now, does anyone want to take a guess what religious affiliation these teens had in common? I'll give you a second to rack your brain. Any guesses? It's not the Mennonites. (laughs) Uh, Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, The French president himself will tell us who they were. French President Emmanuel Macron has described the killing as an Islamist terrorist attack. I know. I know you're shocked, so I'll give you a second to catch your breath. But this story goes on and talks about how a group of 17s killed and beheaded a French teacher uh, because the teacher showed a picture of Muhammad in the classroom. And it was one of those cartoon, uh, the caricatures of Muhammad. If you remember from the Charlie Hebdo paper, uh, Charlie Hebdo, it was like, you know, it's like a French satirical newspaper, whatever happens to be, you know, they're obviously – Big in the news in 2015 uh, when they released this series of cartoons about Muhammad uh, because that, you know, release of those cartoons led to Islamists killing 17 people. (laughs) So, um, and I think they injured like 10 or 11 more. So again, like we said last week, right? Christian nationalism is not a threat to America. It's a blessing to America to have people who love God and love the country. Islam, on the other hand, is a threat to every nation and every people group on the planet. Um, And it always has been. And for what it's worth, the story in here from Yahoo goes on to uh, detail that the seven teens that were charged with the killing and beheading of this man received only suspended sentences and one of them got house arrest. (laughs) That's the punishment in France for killing and beheading a man, suspended sentences, which to the best of my understanding just means it's like the threat of a sentence. If you do something else wrong, then you're going to get in trouble. Like what else wrong could you possibly do that's worse than beheading a man? Um, You got to love progressive justice, huh? So, and I know you might say, well, that's France, not America, right? Like doesn't make a difference. Um, But Speaking of Christian nationalists, so James Carville, we said last week, not to be taken serious. You can't say something like that and be considered a serious person, that Christian nationalism is a bigger threat than Al-Qaeda, right? Especially when you see what uh, people of an Islamist faith are doing all around the world. Just can't be taken seriously. But speaking of Christian nationalists, uh, and again... It's always worth reminding, uh, as I've already reminded you, it's a made-up term for people who love God and love America, so we shouldn't give it too much credence. But um, Dusty Devers won a special election to the Oklahoma State Senate this week. And uh, let's hear Dusty Devers on his sort of election night victory speech. If if I would back away from the word of God, what authority do I have? That would that would put me being a man under my own authority rather than the authority of God. And whenever I say things like child sacrifice will stop in Oklahoma, I can speak that from the position of the authority of God rather than my own. And you know, other liberal or leftist positions, they're speaking from their own conjured authority. Or you could you could call it a serpentine theocracy, a a, a position of the authority of the devil, rather than the authority of Christ. And so I'm going to draw straight lines. (laughs) Man, did you hear what he said? That might be the greatest piece of audio I've ever heard from a politician. Um, In just a few 30 seconds, he called abortion what it is, child sacrifice, Um, And he called liberal ideology what it is. He said it's serpentine theology or satanic, right? Uh, Man, amazing. That's not all. Let's listen to this other clip from Dusty Devers. I want to see uh, pornography abolished, I want to see no fault divorce come back to at fault in divorce, uh, and even public shaming for those who are at fault in divorce. I want to see abortion abolished. Uh, These are the kinds of morality and government issues that we need to get back to. (laughs) It's just incredible to hear. Uh, I mean, outlaw porn? Yes, 100% on board with that. Uh, public shaming for sin, I think I can get on board with that. Even divorce, if you're at fault, yeah, I think I can get on board with that. <laughs> Outlaw abortion, of course, obviously, I'm on board with that. Um, amazing. You know, Dusty Devers, he might be a threat, but he isn't a threat to America. Uh, if he's a threat to anybody, he's a threat to hell. And uh, because he's a pastor of a church, Uh, I don't know the name of the church right off the top of my head, but, you know, so a threat he may be, um, but it's not a threat to America. That's, like he mentions, the moral clarity that we need to get back to in this nation. Um, And look what he wrote even on his own uh, election website. He says, first and foremost, I am a Christian bought and redeemed by the blood of my Savior and King Jesus Christ. My purpose in this campaign is to glorify God and fight for causes I believe he would have me fight for. Um, You know, you don't hear a lot of politicians, you know, they might vaguely reference God or faith or Jesus. um, But you don't hear politicians talking about bought and redeemed by the blood of Christ very often. uh, Not that I know of. So amazing. Amazing. you know, thank you, Oklahoma. But I have one more clip here from Dusty Devers. So let's watch this clip. <laughs> If you aren't watching, uh, if you're just listening to the podcast, that's Dusty Devers um, on the stage at his church, I would assume, leading his church in the doxology before uh, it looks like they're going to share a meal together. And, um, you know, I don't know Dusty Devers at all uh, up until today. You know, I heard his name mentioned occasionally. I know he's kind of a, I think they call him like an abolitionist because he was very active in fighting against abortion and trying to end that wicked practice. Um, but this is really the first time, you know, I've read anything or heard anything come out of Dusty Deaver's mouth. Now he is a pastor, um, going into politics, which I'm generally not a fan of, but I pray that Dusty Deaver's would stand strong for the Lord and that he wouldn't lose his conviction. Cause if you watch and I'll have all this stuff linked down in the show notes, you can go check it out. His Twitter um videos and stuff. And I would encourage you to go watch at least this one of him leading the doxology. Uh, because this is what saves America. You know, if you watch this video, so many young children in that crowd, little kids in that crowd, raising their hands, singing to God, worshiping God, um, surrounded by their parents, that's what saves this country. It's not tax cuts. Um, it's not sending more money to Ukraine. It's not um, normalizing gender mutilation. That doesn't save America. It's families, large families, worshiping God, raising their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That's what saves our country if it's saved at all. Um, and it's beautiful to have Dusty Deavers up there if that's you know what he's doing, leading his church in that. Um, praise God for him. It's beautiful. It's heavenly. So uh, again, his... Twitter link is in the bio, you know, if you want to encourage him to stand strong, because, you know, history would tell us um, he won't, right? History will tell us that he'll get to uh, his state capital and he'll compromise. And we need to encourage him not to compromise. We need to encourage him to stand for the faith, um, be the man that he is currently, and not, you know, whoever the Republican Party, whatever it is, happens to want him to be, which is, you know, a milquetoast Christian at best. So reach out to him, send him a message, let him know you're praying for him, and then pray for him. Uh, Encourage him to stand and fight for Christ. So uh, that's the positive this week. Um, But as the title of this episode uh, informed you, this was really a tale of two pastors this week. You had Dusty Devers on one end, And you had Josh Dunwell on the other. And who is Josh Dunwell? Uh, He's an Iowan pastor of a church called Gateway Church Monroe. And he's also an Iowa State representative. And he's a pastor and representative who this week went to bat for a satanic holiday display that was placed in the Iowa State Capitol. Um, You can see here on his Twitter feed, you know, Iowa representative and Christian pastor defends presence of holiday satanic display in Capitol. And then he goes on in here and he says, my disappointment abounds as an American and a fellow or and a follower of Christ. I will not back down. And what won't he back down from? Well, of course, defending the satanic display. Uh, he says, as a follower of Christ, I'll advocate for the building of Christ's kingdom through following his examples loving others, washing feet, considering the interests of others, denying myself, spreading the gospel of Christ. As a state representative, I will continue to advocate for freedom. I don't want the state determining what is an appropriate religious expression. And if you haven't seen the holiday display, again, it'll be linked in the show notes, but if you're watching the video, um, it's this satanic display put up here. Uh, Supposedly, it's the whatever it is, uh, Baphomet is whoever this demon or Satan st- uh, display is supposed to be. And the group that put it up here, Um, they talk about the group in here and why they, um, you know, the freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend, which is what they were trying to do, offend, right? Um, But it's interesting in here, they list the seven fundamental tenets of this group. So if you're interested in what the tenets of this satanic organization are, um, here you go. Their tenets are, one should strive to act with compassion and empathy towards all creatures in accordance with reason, um, which is God-given, but they'll neglect God there, never mind that. Uh, Number two, the struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. Uh, But again, they have no idea what justice is apart from God, but never mind that. One's body, this is point number three, one's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone, which you should read as a justification for child sacrifice. Um, Point number four, The freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend. To willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another's is to forego one's own. Yes. Point number five. Beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should take care to never distort scientific facts to fit one's beliefs. And where scientific fact doesn't exist, make it up and just tell people it's scientific fact. Point number six, people are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused. Why? If we're our own gods, why would we do that? Um, What does it matter if we offend? Point number seven, every tenant is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility in action and thought. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word. Yes. My truth is my truth. Uh, Who cares what's written down? It's fluid. It can change. So this stuff is nonsense. It's gobbledygook. Uh, Compassion, wisdom, and justice don't exist without a God. Um, It's just your own individual ideas of compassion, which could be conflicting with someone else's. Um, Doesn't make any sense, right? But, um, so there you go. that's uh that poli- or that satanic group, and um how reasoned they are in their tenets but so Josh Dunwell um went to bat defending the freedom of this satanic group to put their display in the Iowa State house, and look, uh, I'm not saying that a politician shouldn't stand up for religious freedom; they should um that is a constitutional freedom in this nation. But this is the problem you run into when you claim to be a resident of the city of God, and you try and make your living in the city of man. You know, here we have a Christian pastor in Josh Dunwell, who seemingly has placed his election to political office over his calling as an overseer of Christ's church. And this is my big problem with All men who are pastors and run for political office, because you become a house divided in a sense. And this is why I fear for Dusty Devers as well. I fear for him in the same respect that he'll become a house divided. Because instead of being a man called by God to lead your people in righteousness, which is what a pastor should be doing, um, you find yourself going to war, fighting on the same side politically that you should be fighting against spiritually right because Josh Dunwell as a pastor should be decrying the satanic display um instructing his people against this this sort of wickedness yet in his um in his job his 9 to 5 right his political office here he is defending their right um to display it so you know he's the house divided right and This is why I think, and I've mentioned this before, I think I stand with John MacArthur on this when he said that he's opposed to religious freedom because religious freedom sends people to hell. And I agree with that, you know? And I want politicians to protect my right to freedom of religion um, because Christianity points people to the one that can save their souls. And I personally don't care about a Satanist freedom to drag people to hell, (laughs) Though I understand that in order for Christians to live freely, we may have to, you know, also allow Satanists to live freely. And you might say, well, that sounds like a contradiction, or you might sound hypocritical. And yeah, it probably is, uh, but I don't care. Uh, I want to be able to tell people about Christ without going to jail. And I don't want Satanists to be able to display their um, Baphomet statues in state capitals because they lead people away from Christ and if that's hypocritical sure but you know what all good christians are hypocrites <laughs> because you have to be um that's the very definition i think you understand the proper way to live and you can't do it uh so you're a hypocrite basically um so i don't care about that and not to mention just on this idea of satanism i did read somewhere that uh one of the other iowa state representatives or something um, brought up the fact that God is outlined in the Iowa State Rep- uh, state Constitution, whereas Satan obviously isn't outlined. Um, so there is justification to have displays of the Ten Commandments and those sorts of things where there isn't precedent to have a satanic display. But even with that, um, Satanism isn't something that even should be endorsed by the government. It's a lie of a religion, first off, because most Satanists will tell you they don't actually worship Satan, there are some that do, of course, but most will tell you it's essentially self worship. And is there anything less beneficial to society than self worship? You know, for that reason alone, the Iowa government should be telling them that, listen, you're free to go practice whatever you want, your seven tenants. Um, go practice them wherever you want, however you want, um, but that it wouldn't be promoted in the state, because it's detrimental to the state. It's detrimental to a state thriving. Uh, and a religion built on self-worship is detrimental to society. Uh, Christianity is the complete opposite. It's about self-sacrifice, it's about love and truth. And therefore, it should be promoted on a state level because it's a religion, wherever it's allowed to thrive, it brings prosperity to everyone, even those who don't subscribe to its tenets, even Satanists. Thrive under a Christian society. So uh, it was really a tale of two pastors this week. On one hand, you got Dusty Devers proclaiming that there are those who follow a serpentine theology, a satanic theology, um, and he was elected in there to fight against it. And on the other hand, you had Josh Dunwell fighting for those Satanists to have a prominent place in the state of Iowa. Um, Pretty interesting. And one last caveat to this story, as of Thursday evening, I believe, there was a hero, in my opinion, named Michael Cassidy, who went and knocked over the statue of Baphomet, and he said about knocking it over, I saw this blasphemous statue and was outraged, Cassidy said. My conscience is held captive to the word of God, not to bureaucratic decree, so I acted. Man, Uh, hero in my opinion, Uh, he's got a little bit of a Josiah in him there, right? King Josiah, a little bit of Gideon in him. You know, in my opinion, Josh Dunwell would do well uh, to take notice of Michael Cassidy. Um, His conscience was held captive. So, why is this important to Christians? We always like to outline, you know, kind of the major stories we talk about here. Why is this important to Christians? And I think it's important to Christians because Christians need to actually remember what is important. Um, Freedom is not a fruit of the Spirit. (laughs) Freedom is not a commandment decreed by God. You know, I think we've become so fat, comfortable, and apathetic in Christian America that we think our personal freedom is somehow like equivalent to submission and obedience to God. And it's not. You're either a slave to Christ or you're a slave to sin, and that is it. Um, Those are the only two camps anybody who has ever existed falls in. And so this idea that a pastor is like, I'm going to stand for freedom with the same fervor that you would stand for submission to Christ um, is foolish. And there's been a, you know, and this is where the Christian nationalism falls Apart, I mean, there's a lot of things wrong with it, right? Humans are wrong with it. Yes, I'd love to have godly men lead this nation um, in every facet, right? I would, given the choice between two great leaders, and one of them's a Christian, I will always take the Christian over the non-Christian. But if if all things are equal, right? Um, But we've talked about this on the show before. Um, You know, I would rather have a great leader than a great Christian. Now, if the the Christian is a great leader, that's all the more a benefit, right? But the problem with Christian nationalism is human nature because you put these people in positions of power and that human nature, which we're going to talk about when we get to sin um, later, but, you know, Satan's right there lurking and we have so many men who I don't doubt their sincerity and their faith. I don't doubt Josh Dunwell or John Dunwell's faith in Christ. I believe he's he uh, loves Christ, probably serves him as best he can but this is what happens, right? You get into these positions of power and authority and lines become blurred and, you know, you just, you tend to fall apart. That's the problem with Christian nationalism is humans. (laughs) So, um, but I mean, let's even go to the the point of why this is important and discuss the fact that our constitution has been ripped to shreds and abandoned a hundred times over in this country. It's never adhered to. It's just used to hurl insults at, whoever your opponent is. Um, you know, we're so concern, or concerned about our Constitution and our protected rights in this story, right? We have a freedom of religion. We have to defend it. We've got to stand and fight for our freedom of religion. Why? Where else do we do this? Uh, like, how's your Second Amendment looking right now? Liberal states don't care about your Second Amendment. They trample it every chance they can get. How's your Fourth Amendment looking right now, Right? Do you have a right to privacy anymore? No. 9-11 and the Patriot Act did away with that. Who seems to care? Uh, You're spied on by everybody. How's an unborn baby's life or rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Again, it doesn't exist in liberal states, right? They trample that endlessly. Tenth Amendment states' rights? I mean, COVID worked pretty hard to kill that as well. So let's quit kidding ourselves. That, you know, somehow everybody's just looking for opportunities to uphold all of our constitutional rights. They're not. Um, you know, people that hate God want the freedom of religion so that they can mock God, which is what the satanic display was there for. Um, so let's quit kidding ourselves and let's get serious about our faith in God. So what should we do about it? Um, I think we should do exactly what Michael Cassidy did. Just say No. To this demonic takeover of america and you know we said nikki and i back during the asbury revival that whole fiasco if you remember that earlier this year and we said then that if the revival was real then we would begin to see these false idols torn down and false teachers cast out um so maybe this is uh a uh, result of that maybe that was a true revival right we were Um, leery of that revival because we didn't see it. So this is a good start. Um, And this needs to be taking place everywhere, all over the country, not necessarily going and knocking over statues um, because at the end of the day, does that do anything? I mean, I don't know. But just this level of passion to stand for God and to reject Satanism, if you will. I mean, it's one thing to have, you know, Satan like like uh what Dusty Devers talked about, serpentine theology and these sorts of things that are a bit under the table. But I mean, just out in your face, worship to Satan. I mean, this is, again, it's Gideon, right? I mean, going and tearing down the Ashtoreth poles and the Baal statues and, you know, King Josiah, right? Going and tearing them down. With, I mean, there's some of the stuff that's just right in your face. And I'm so thankful to Michael Cassidy because All on Twitter, there was endless people going, oh, this needs to be torn down. And And I was like, oh, brother, it's going to be all talk. A bunch of tough guys talking and no one's going to do anything. So praise God for Michael Cassidy to actually have the gumption to go and do something about it. You know, not just be a talker, but a doer. Praise God for that. We need more doers. Um, We've got plenty of talkers. So how should we pray about it? Well, I think we should pray that God would raise up more men like Michael Cassidy, men that are courageous enough to stand for God. And I mean men specifically. Uh, We need to get back to a nation and a faith that's led by courageous men. God bless the courageous women in this world. Um, They've sort of been um, charged with taking the lead because men have failed to do what they're supposed to do. So pray that more courageous men filled with, you know, love and obedience to God would begin to uh, take these bold stands. You know, in a world of talkers, Michael Cassidy acted and praise God for men who act. And I think we can pray that we would be more courageous. I'll lump myself in there as well, right? I'm not uh, free from the need to be more courageous. But even if you aren't, courageous enough to go and tear down a satanic statue for yourself. Uh, Just pray that men like Michael Cassidy will, and then support them when they do. Support these men. Um, Encourage them to go and be courageous. So it was a tale of two pastors this week. Uh, One that I think, at least in his initial election night, is standing boldly for God. And another who I think uh, missed, missed pretty egregiously um, to stand for God and Josh Dunwell. So pretty interesting. I'd love to know what you guys think about this. I'm sure there's a lot of disagreement on Michael Cassidy and what he did knocking over the statue. I mean, I've already seen it on X or Twitter, a lot of disagreement, right? Uh, People saying, oh, why didn't Michael Cassidy take the group out for a dinner, you know, and share the gospel with them? And so I'd love to know what you guys think about this. Did Michael Cassidy do what was right or was he wrong? Josh Dunwell right or wrong? And uh, is Dusty Devers a threat to the nation or a blessing to the nation? Or hold our breath and wait and see? So that's all I really have from the news. I do want to spend some time looking at our Bible topic, if you will. And again, we're going through Mark Jones's wonderful book, Knowing Sin. Highly recommend it. Um... And because it's been a while since we've read this book, I just wanted to go back through and get everybody caught up. If you're new here, um, get you caught up to where we are currently. And if you've been with us for a while, just to kind of remind you what we've already covered. So we're in chapter 16 of this book. It's a thin book. Uh, The chapters are quick and easy to read through. But we've talked about sin's origin, sin's contagion, sin's privation, Sin's vocabulary, sin's, rem- sin's remains, sin's sorrows, sin's alternative, sin's secrecy, sin's presumption, sin's pride, sin's selfishness, sin's envy, sin's unbelief, sin's manipulation, sin's thoughts, and that brings us to today, sin's temptations. Um, so again, if you want to get caught up to, wh- to where we are, We have that playlist on YouTube. You can go find it, give it a listen. I should have all of the chapters listed in the video so you can even just move straight through and find the um, Bible topic discussions. But uh, like I mentioned earlier, while you're there um, or whatever platform you're on, consider dropping a like, subscribing, following if you're on the podcast, leave us a comment, send us an email. Love to hear from you guys. And all of that stuff would of course help us out greatly. But uh, again, this week, we're going to be discussing Sin's Temptation. And, uh, you know, again, I'll have this book linked in the show notes. Please consider going and picking up a copy of this. I think it would make a wonderful, like, small group discussion or a family Bible study. Again, the chapters are short, just a few pages, but they're uh, packed with uh, interesting, thought-provoking Um, stuff. It's built around Puritan theology on sin, Puritan doctrine on, or Puritan understanding on sin, which is very rich. So, great book. Highly encourage it. Maybe a good Christmas present for someone, but uh, Mark Jones opens this chapter. He opens it by stating, for the Christian, our battle against temptation comes both from within and without. We face the assaults of the devil other people, and the world in their curious combinations. But we never face these assaults apart from our own inclinations to evil. And I think this is a really good point. Uh, It stood out to me. It's one we probably know, but at least for me, I don't consider often enough, I think. You know, we think temptation is something external that affects us and leads us to sin. And it is, of course, that. Um, But temptation is internal as well. It's birthed out of our wicked hearts. It's birthed out of our sinful thoughts. Uh, We all know Jeremiah 17.9, our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately sick. And he notes John Owen in here, the Puritan theologian, and he gives his definition of temptation. John Owen says, temptation then, in general is anything, state, way, or condition that upon any account whatever has a force or efficacy to seduce, to draw the mind and heart of a man from its obedience, which God requires of him, into any sin, in any degree of it, whatever. (laughs) So, uh, a good definition might be the most Puritan definition you'll ever hear, but a good definition nonetheless. Uh, So, You know, it's anything that seduces our heart or mind from doing what God requires of us, which I think, you know, reading through these tells me kind of two things. First off, God actually requires stuff of us, uh, which may sound weird to the modern American Christian. God actually requires stuff of us. Um, You know, that's the costly grace idea that Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about. You know, there's things like the Ten Commandments, right? Uh, obeying Christ and so on. God requires stuff of us. Um, And I would say number two is that even things that don't seem outright evil can lead us um, to not do what we're required to do. You know, I think of maybe like the temptation, you know, it's the holiday season, Christmas, right? Maybe the temptation to buy yourself another thing, another trinket, whatever that thing happens to be. And it may Tempt you maybe to hold on to your money for yourself, when maybe you should be using that money for you know supporting orphans and widows, uh, or maybe the local church, whatever it happens to be, you know maybe that internal temptation to be you know frugal or spend the money on yourself stops you from giving the way you should, right? Either way, you're not doing what's required of you. Um, and John Owen later goes on to give this great quote. He says. Now, when such a temptation comes from without, it is unto the soul an indifferent thing, neither good nor evil, unless it be consented unto. But the very proposal from within, it being the soul's own act, is its sin. So he's kind of saying temptation from outside, it can be good or bad, it's nothing, right? Unless you consent to the temptation. But when the temptation is birthed from within you, then it is sin, and I think that's obviously right. Uh, I think John Owen's a smart, godly man, or he was. But you know, not all things that tempt us are sinful. You know, there are some things for sure that are, but not everything. It makes me again think of maybe like a pretty girl walking down the street, and she sends your mind to places they should not be going. You're having thoughts about her that you should not be having. You know, it's not her fault that she's pretty or that you are attracted to her, but it's your own temptation that allows you to, you know, break communion with God while you're feeding on your lust. Um, that's what John Owen says, right? There's this external temptation that's neither good nor bad, but when you consent to that temptation, now it's sin. Now, again, it could be sin, right? As we talked about, if the girl is dressed immodestly and she's enticing you to sinful thoughts, then That temptation is, you know, sinful there. Um, That's not neither good nor bad. That would be bad. That'd be sin. But it's still your fault. Um, But now she's not blameless either, right? But I think it's important to point out that temptations are internal and external, and we need to guard against both. I think that's the important point. Uh, Mark Jones writes, temptations from within are made more forceful by the outward temptations that come from Satan. And that's true, of course, right? And again, that's the same thing Joan, or uh, Owen said. Um, there's temptations, but when we give in to our own, we consent to them internally, right? Uh, it becomes even more difficult. And I think that's why Jesus warns us against being a tool of Satan. And this is the argument that you always get in, right, when you talk about modesty with women. Oh, you want to have an argument? Tell women to be modest. Oh Lord, um the claws come out, right? But this is why Jesus warns us against being a tool of Satan. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 7, Jesus says, Woe to the world for temptations to sin. For it's necessary that temptations come, right? God uses those to um refine us. God doesn't tempt us, but we are those temptations exist to refine us. But Jesus says, woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. Jesus warns us from being a temptation to lead others into sin. So again, men can be immodest too. Nobody's saying they can't, right? But this is one of the things you always get into. It's not my fault, you know, that he has lustful thoughts. Could be. And you need to take heed of that, right? We don't want to be an external temptation to somebody else. And I love what Jones writes here in this chapter regarding Satan. <laughs> he is great. He says, although, speaking of Satan, although he is stupid, his intelligence towers above the smartest man in the world. <laughs> uh, that's a good statement there, right? Because Satan is stupid. He's stupid in that he is opposing God, just as anyone who opposes God is stupid. But Satan is not dumb. Uh, just like You know, so many of Satan's children in our world are stupid because they oppose God, but they certainly are not dumb. And uh, William Jenkins, Puritan, goes on to note, Satan has an apple for Eve, a grape for Noah, a change of raiment for uh, Gehazi, and a bag for Judas. Uh, Basically stating that Satan knows what what entices you. And Thomas Watson, the Puritan, says it this way, Satan never sets a dish before men that they do not love. You know, so Satan's stupid. He's opposing God, but he is not dumb. He knows how to tempt you and me just right. He knows exactly what tempts you the most. He knows exactly what tempts me the most. He's not dumb, though he's stupid. So, you know, Satan is out there working against us but also our own hearts and minds are inside working against us, right? The deck is stacked against us, right? So what hope do we have? Uh, You can seem hopeless in a sense. But Mark Jones encourages us, reminding us what Bernard of Clairvoy uh, had said. He says, Satan's temptations are grievous to us, but our prayers are more grievous to him. And Jones reminds us also of Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, where the Lord instructs us, saying, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus tells us on what hope we have to watch and pray. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Paul reminds us, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So there is hope for us, right? Temptation is lurking outside. Temptation is working inside. But there is hope Um, because with the Holy Spirit, we are able to resist the devil. And we're able to resist him with the promise that he'll flee. James chapter 7 tells us, resist the devil and he will flee. So we're weak, right? We're helpless against temptation, um, but Christ will make us more than conquerors. But the thing is, uh, you need Christ if you're going to be a conqueror. You can't conquer without Him, Uh, and that only comes through repentance and belief. That's the only way you're given the help or the Holy Spirit to live in you to help you overcome these temptations. Uh, So if you've not given your heart to Christ, well, you're you're in luck. Uh, Today is the day. So place your faith in Christ and be set, from, or be set free from the laws of sin and death that only Christ can set you free from. Uh, again, the deck may seem stacked against you, and it is on your own. You can't overcome temptation and defeat uh, the devil's devices on your own. None of us can. Um, but with the Holy Spirit working in you, following Christ's instructions to watch and pray, looking for... Uh, God provided way of escape you can you can defeat it and the devil will f- will flee that's the promise we have so wonderful topic here definitely something for us to consider that we all understand temptation exists outside we all understand the external temptation but we got to guard against the internal temptations that we have um, just as just as much if not more right because as John Owens mentioned right the not even the sinful external temptations. Um, we have to guard against the the ones that aren't even sinful, but when they're joined together with our own internal desires that are sinful, they become sin. So, you know, it's difficult. We've got to tackle ourselves first, right? We've got to die to ourselves and bring ourselves under submission to Christ so that we're able to live in this world in a way that's pleasing to God you know, and only the Holy Spirit working in us can do that. So a great topic, great book. Um, Definitely something to keep uh, in prayer for yourself. Pray for me that I'm able to resist temptation uh, and that I become a more prayerful man. Uh, We all need to pray more, especially as this world gets more and more depraved. We need to be more and more prayerful. So, I do want to end here, though, of course, with our recommended listening, and I thought this was a good topic to discuss in the vein of, you know, ridding ourselves of temptation in a way of living a life that's pleasing to God, and I listened to this small, quick little, I think it's 11 minutes long, 12 minutes long, from John Piper, you know, his Ask Pastor John podcast, and the question that he was asked is, if all my sins are forgiven, why pursue holiness? And it's a good question. The the girl, I guess, that writes into him is like, hey, you know, my dad, you know, we're believers. At least his her dad claims to be a believer, but his point was that if we've been forgiven of all of our sins, and it doesn't matter how we live anymore, those sins are forgiven, we can essentially do whatever we want. Why pursue holiness? Um, which may be a question you've had asked to you before or a question you've had before. All my sins are forgiven. And again, this is something we hear in sort of the toast Christian faith in America, uh, you know, that Jesus is our Savior, we're saved, we can essentially have no sanctification evident in our life, and yet somehow consider ourselves Christian. Live the same way we've always lived, struggle with the same sins we've always struggled with, but somehow consider ourselves saved. Uh, is that true? Uh, now, obviously, I would tell you no. <laughs> if you don't see evidence of sanctification in your life, that should be tune you into the fact that the Holy Spirit is not in you, right? Because the Holy Spirit is good at what he does. He will sanctify you. But it's a good question. Pastor John, of course, uh, answers it in a very loving and uh, biblically sound way, in my opinion. So go give that a listen. You know, arm yourself with uh, a little more ammunition to, um, you know, defend the faith appropriately in your own life. But that is all we got. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow morning with our family devotion. We're still walking through Dietrich Bonhoeffer's God is in the Manger Advent devotional. We'll be doing that all through December. So we have the family devotion that we do Sunday morning, you know, the five minute family devotion. But I also have been doing just one minute, uh, you know, quick devotions going through the same. So all through the month of December, we're in Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Advent devotional. And then I think coming into the new year, I think I want to start, you know, back from the beginning, just kind of walking through Genesis was kind of my plan. I just think it's so important for us to get back to understanding God's law, you know, and uh, as I've been learning more about it and finding value and um, encouragement in my own faith, I just think it's so important, right, Um, to understand where the faith came from and what it's been built on. So we're going to go back through Genesis, probably starting in the new year. So say all that to say, come join us. Come join us on Sunday mornings. Come find us on YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram with our daily devotions. And um, be in prayer for us. We have our Patreon links down in the show notes. If you want to give us your prayer requests, we can add them into our you know little community prayer list there. We'd love to be in prayer for you guys. But that is all I have. Hope you have a blessed week.